0: You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogue. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Are you sick and tired of Ledger Shredder? Then this is the episode for you. First up in Modern, we brew with Moderation, a powerful draw engine that will never trigger your opponent's birds. Then in Pioneer, we sleeve up Crawl Harpooners to ruffle some feathers and power up our fight regimes. That's all coming up on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I am Dan Shriever, also known as Cave Dan Online. And I'm joined on this fine Monday, all the way from Buenos Aires. You know him as Moored to Light. It's Emi Sagasti.
1: Hey, yo. How's everybody going? Just here to discuss some lovely new cards.
0: Yeah, got uh Well, is this a new card? We got like an old favorite from the Halcyon days of Modern Horizons 1.
1: If we have never brewed it, it's officially new.
0: That's right. If you haven't brewed it, it's new to you. <laughs>
1: That's the only thing that matters.
0: <laughs> so we are talking about Moderation, a card that finished high in the voting for our monthly project ballot. We are working on Ginny Faye this month. Going to be checking in over the next couple of weeks, letting you know what we've discovered with token-making decks. But some of the cards that almost finished at the top were just too good to pass up. So that is our task for today is we'll dig into what Moderation is all about, we'll look at the decks that have been built successfully with it, we'll think about like what interactions work, what doesn't work, and Emmy is actually well on his way to a 5-0 with it right now as we speak, hopefully, fingers crossed.
1: That's exactly how you lose a 5-0, everybody. Just call it like that. <laughs> you just say that. I, I am 3-0 in my league, and now I know it's a 3-2. I'm going to open that chesty and say you to cave down when I get it. <laughs> that lonely one of chesty. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And we'll tell you a little bit about some other testing we've done. Uh, David and I talked about fight rigging last week, and we each played a league, so Dave has got his notes in here, and I also played my own version. We'll tell you how that went as well. So that is our plan of attack for today. Before we dive in, just a reminder that if you like what we do here at the Faithless Brewing podcast, consider joining our Patreon. That's the best way to support the show you can make a pledge can be as little as a dollar a week and it gets you various benefits you get access to our discord channel we have a wonderful community there you can come hang out come brew with us kick ideas around we also have at the higher tiers we have tokens we have merch we have playmats and various other projects going on all the time you can vote on cards etc
1: exactly so we just have everything you want to get started on brewing or convince us to brew with stuff. You have, You really want us to, and we really don't want to. <laughs> because we enjoy pain.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very much so. So, Double Masters is the current set. I guess if there is, like, a summer release that's relevant to the non-rotating formats, Modern Pioneer, I guess Double Masters is it. I mean, Commander Legends is not
1: legal in these formats.
0: Has anything caught your eye from this set?
1: I mean, there's been a lot of reprints, like going from Concordant Crossroads to a beautiful editor-bial with feature starts of Duck Faden stealing the masterpiece editor-bial. No. Yes. No way. What? You haven't seen it? Let me <laughs> just send you... I'm just posting this right here in the middle so you can see it. It's literally Duck Faden stealing the masterpiece-bial.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Beautiful art. And stuff like for me our card, a lot of commander staples. This is the true commander horizons. Every single reprint is here. And beautiful art for a lot of modern staples like Eternal Witness, Wall of Omens. Um, Flickerwisp has gotten the most hideous, disgusting, beautiful art I have seen. It's like a real-life huge moth kidnapping someone. Exactly what the Flickerwisp does.
0: That art looks wild.
1: <laughs> it's yeah.
0: It's giant.
1: <laughs> a giant moth. Kidnapping someone against its will, just just lovely. City of Rust, Summer Bloom, a lot of reprints. Really interesting set. A gorgeous art of Panharmonicon.
0: Yeah, I love that one too. I mean, they're they're really leaning into the this will be a premium set because of the art. Yeah. Multiple variants, borderless variants, at a pretty high drop rate in the packs. The packs look to be very expensive. We're in a kind of age of uncertainty about, like, the actual price of cards, because there's no official MSRP. All we know is that Wizards feels like they can crank the profits, blame inflation, or blame whatever else, but the prices being listed right now for packs are huge, like $16 a pack.
1: (laughs) That's going to be insanely expensive. I don't think I'm going to get my hands on any of them, but... I don't know, the arts, I just want to get some of these common and uncommon starts. Flicker with Panwall of Home and just look stupidly mm. nice. Then you have cards that are the opposite, Gifts and Given with the Hideous Art, Lighting Bolt with the terrible Flavor Text that just hurts down to its merry soul.
0: I don't get it. I mean, so they have the regular version with the M10 Flavor Text, which was one of the best flavor texts in the in the history of magic, right?
1: Oh with the returning, yeah.
0: The context is that like lightning bolts had been out of magic for years, right? And then all of a sudden, completely unexpectedly, they're like, hey, in Magic 2010, Lightning Bolt is back in standard, and they had it's the perfect flavor text for it about, you know, a mage recalling the storms of his youth and
1: I spell they thought they were ever see again.
0: Exactly, exactly. And then you contrast that with the showcase borderless version. The flavor text is, how shocking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My, how shocking. (laughs) The fix was so easy. I just go, my, how vaulting. People would have gotten the bad reference.
0: What happened? Like, what, what, what happened?
1: Magic ranges from the best flavor text in existence to the worst. Like, I'm still in love with the flavor text of Rancor. And then you just have stuff that doesn't work at all. Like, my, how shocking.
0: Hatred outlives the hateful?
1: Hatred is the hateful is the perfect example of that card in gameplay, which just makes it insanely good.
0: I mean, I just remember that from being a kid. That that just sticks with you. Some of these cards just stick with you.
1: Yeah. Or, or a Flickerwisp. Like, it's literally my WhatsApp status. It's literally its wings is more than air.
0: And who can forget the iconic flavor text of Wisp? Holy shit, it's a giant moth. <laughs> it's wings <laughs> disturb more fields. than air
1: <laughs> yeah it's disturbing you mentally just look at it yeah. that yeah. doesn't disturb us there that's gonna disturb you for life a giant freaking moth i love it because i was, I always was in the debate if liquor was like a tiny moth or like a huge kidna- kidnapping moth and i always said it was like huge but there was no point of view there was no like no point of comparison in the original image and now i finally get to settle my doubts
0: I just always thought of flickering as something like magical, like blinking out of the plane of existence.
1: <laughs> no, I always picture it like coming down and groping something and taking it that way, and I'm really happy it has become exactly that.
0: <laughs> it's it's like when uh, Gandalf is imprisoned on top of Saruman's tower.
1: And a moth comes and kidnaps it and takes it.
0: <laughs> well, it's like a tiny hairy moth, and then like a, a clean, majestic eagle comes and... Or no, is it a moth?
1: No, it's a butterfly. It's a tiny butterfly. Then it flies away the and then comes the eagle, but a lot of a sign it's a moth that brought a bigger moth.
0: Yeah, like imagine if instead of the eagles coming, like a big hairy <laughs> moth that comes and just like Alright, Gandalf, hop in.
1: There's always a bigger moth. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Beautiful set, lot of reprints, beautiful arts. Gladwell Elf looks hideous though. So at least worth looking at that part of it.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the arts because like I, I hadn't been following it that closely, but uh, it is cool to see what they're doing with that. I think I said two weeks ago that the only thing that was relevant for modern players is how many MH2 cards would be getting much needed reprints. Zero. And the answer is zero because apparently MH2 was like still in print, so the price is the price. Like if you <laughs> if you want your MH2 cards to be cheaper, sorry, you're out of luck. Go buy a box or convince someone else to buy a box.
1: However, MH1 staples like Force of Negation and Season Pyromancer have already been confirmed, and that means likely the rest of the mythics and such of the set will have a reprint as well. So that's good to know. Yeah. At the very least.
0: So, moderation is from MH1, so I guess that. I don't know, that's my attempt at a segue. (laughs) Um, Not getting reprinted in Double Masters 2022. But if we break it this week and make that price skyrocket.
1: Now that there's no confirmed reprint, it's the perfect moment. Exactly. So, moderation. What can we learn about moderation? And I don't expect this to transform into a life lesson.
0: I'll read the card first. One white-blue enchantment. Two lines of text. The first is, you can't cast more than one spell each turn. The second is, whenever you cast a spell, draw a card. So these are both like shocking lines of text. Whenever you cast a spell, draw a card is so extremely powerful. And the other one, you can't cast more than one spell each turn, is so extremely debilitating that it's like wow, this is an amazing card.
1: I, sh- I just love the fact that you can cast more than one spell each turn. Is a tax effect worth three mana? Like, you're doing that to your opponent is worth three mana. A lot like rule of law, all-, all those effects cost three. And I love the fact that you're literally playing attacks on yourself that cost the same that it would cost on your opponent.
0: Our kind of Ameria, rule of law, Eidolon of Rhetoric. Yeah, exactly. these are three mana effects.
1: So you're literally taxing. You're paying the same that you would pay to tax your opponent with this. So whatever you are getting has to be worth like six mana, right?
0: I mean, it's it's gotta be insane. And the only cards that come to mind is like comparable. They do cost like six mana. Exactly. Recycle comes to mind. Null Profusion comes to mind. Maybe Moonveil Regent, but not really.
1: You're, like, really damaging yourself with, like, a really negative tempo play that's actually, like, self-taxing on three extra mana for something that tends to be worth, like, six mana. So all of a sudden, it isn't as insane as it looks at first hand. Maybe it's worth it to damage yourself for that payoff.
0: That's so interesting.
1: However, there comes the thing. When you use that payoff, the exact plan is casting a lot of spells. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean there's such an inherent tension in this card. It's a really a beautiful card. Uh, the artwork is beautiful too.
1: The name is the name is great. The, like like this is one of those cards that really needed the flavor of the card, right? Like it does what the name says it does. It works in itself. It's a great design.
0: There's a story behind Moderation. Sam Black shared some interesting details about his time working on Modern Horizons 1. I think it's worth like Revisiting what he said about this. He wrote about it on Twitter and when he was still writing for Star City Games, shared some insights there. So basically they, they brought in three players as MH1 sorry. MH2. Why is just saying MH1? You gotta correct me on these things. Moderation moderation is <laughs> from MH2. I'm just gonna keep <laughs> All the times I said it was from MH1, just forget that stuff. Mentally edited out. Well,
1: you just said what you said was MH1 a few minutes ago. Well, damn, yeah, you're right. I just let that slide. I didn't realize.
0: I mean, I just like said it with such conviction, and it made no sense. So you're just like, yeah, it must be true. Like, why would he be saying this thing that doesn't even add value to the podcast unless it was true? <laughs> All right, so. MH2 included such hits as moderation and it had three consultants. It had Sam Black, Brad Nelson, Brian Bronduin came in with a lot of freedom to cut cards from the list, to like change cards, and Sam Black shared with like a great deal of transparency like a lot of the changes that he'd insisted or hoped that they make. Moderation is a card that he said he had actually designed this Prior to joining the team, and he pitched it as a two-mana engine. So instead of its current version, the one that we just described, the original version of moderation cost one and a blue. It simply granted yourself a howling mine, right? It said, At the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card. You can only cast one spell per turn. So the drawback was the same, but the mana cost was much cheaper, right? It was friendlier on the colors, and the upside was much much smaller it's just one extra card a turn yeah Whether yeah, or not you're playing spells
1: i think that card would have been unplayable
0: you think that card would have been unplayable interesting
1: i think once you play with moderation you realize how devastating playing moderation is like it's the same effect that when your opponent casts an archon of emery and you're like that does nothing and a future's down the road you're like i should have killed that archon when i had the chance <laughs> it has that same sort of effect where you're like, what am I doing with these cards?
0: <laughs> okay, so so you're saying that the, the drawback of you can only cast one spell per turn, you need to get paid off huge, and this two-mana version that only gives you one card a turn is not...
1: It's not enough of a payoff. No. And reading exactly what's, like, in the literal words of Sam... The lower payoff isn't actually that much slower, since the the card makes its card use the extra cards anyway.
0: Yeah. Okay, so he pitched this card like early in the process. At some point, someone changed it, I think perhaps realizing exactly like Emmy's saying, that that's not strong enough. So they changed it to the whenever you play a card, draw a card. Or sorry, whenever you cast a spell, yeah. draw a card. And they made it a white-blue card. But still only two mana. And then there was a lot of debate about that. So moderation... In its current form, but costing one mana less, like is that too strong? And Sam Black noted that he was not actually sure. Like they couldn't actually break it, but some people were concerned that like it would be a little too interesting, too tempting, maybe at two mana. So they bumped it up to three.
1: And that's when he said, "Um, it seems many people think two mana is too strong and three mana is too weak, so it's hard to fix." And I agree. I don't think a three mana is too weak, but a two mana it would have been too strong.
0: Oh, you do think it would be too strong at 2 No, mana?
1: I think this card at 2 mana would have been really, really strong after playing with it. I mean, the fact that... Because of how easy it is to, like, go off with it, I think you would be able to actually peel around it a lot more consistently.
0: Just being able to start one turn earlier in the game with with access to that yeah. engine?
1: I, it's not actually the one turn earlier thing, it's how much mana requirement it makes. it takes in modern... Because even if I had to cast it on turn four with a counter spell up, it's a lot better than on turn three than on turn five. Like it starts to add up in a lot of scenarios where I don't wanna tap down for this in modern and expose myself. So a lot of them I'm gonna go on turn four with additional backup. And just the fact like with two mana, you're literally cast you're literally transforming the counter spell you cast on your opponent's turn into a cryptic command, right? Two mana to cast it, two mana on the counter, you're paying four mana to counter draw a card. And it's all upside from there. Interesting. So I do agree with that nerf.
0: Okay. All right, well, let's see if we can do something about this three-mana version of moderation that we actually have. A lot of people think us too weak at three, but is that actually true, or have people just forgotten about this card? Maybe there's more that can be done. So that's our task for today. I'll just run through the relevant rules Whenever you cast a spell, draw a card, you can't cast more than one spell a turn. Cast is the important word here. That's not the same as play. So playing lands, you're not going to draw off playing lands, right? Your land drops continue unaffected. When you cast a spell, draw a card, that happens whether or not the spell resolves, right? So if your spell fizzles or if it's countered, doesn't matter, you got the card. So you're going to be getting a lot of cards with this. Probably the most important thing to know is that uh, the number of spells cast in a turn much like the storm count, is just something that the game itself knows. So when you cast Moderation, you pay your three mana, that's your spell for the turn. You cannot cast another spell that turn. Uh, Even if you do some shenanigan, you can't trick the game into forgetting (laughs) that you've already cast a spell.
1: Moderation has to always be your last spell. There's no way around it.
0: And that means you will never be drawing from Moderation the same turn that you cast it except that it does work on other turns, so you can like go to your opponent's turn, cast something, and, and get paid off.
1: Exactly. And I think that's mostly what we're looking for. So, moderation is in itself the most anti-tempo card you could ever play, right?
0: <laughs> I told David we were, we were going to do this card today, and he's like, well, I guess Letter Shredder is out, right?
1: The literal opposite of Ledger Shredder, while Ledger gets you're hit by double-spelling, here you're like, Okay, I'm going to cast a single spell. Every turn.
0: I mean, that's really it, isn't it? It's, this is the anti-Ledger Shredder. Like, <laughs> everything that makes Ledger Shredder good is exactly what makes this card so bad.
1: Exactly. No, there's one point in common. In that, they're actually not as different. Because both cards require you casting two spells per rotation. The only difference is with Shredder, you're trying to cast both cards on the same turn and here not. But the common thing is you don't have extra mana with neither of them. So the way to get your second spell a lot of the time is by making sure one of them is free or almost free.
0: That's a good point, yeah.
1: Both cards really get use out of being able to keep on tempo. So how do you keep on tempo when you can only play a spell a turn? Well, you make really damn sure you play a spell on both turns.
0: Well, isn't that just saying that both moderation and Ledger Shredder have to function within the constraints of, like, modern gameplay, which dictates you should spend all your mana every turn, right? They just
1: yes. rewards
0: you or punish you in different ways. Like, Ledger Shredder... You don't have to use it every turn, but you probably should. And the most successful ledger shredder decks are the ones that trigger it like every single turn.
1: Yes, but the problem with moder- with ledger shredder is it's okay. The punishment for not triggering a turn is only losing one trigger. So let's say I cast zero spells on turn one, but I cast four on turn two. It doesn't matter. I got to cast my four spells. On the other hand, if I have three prismatic endings and no march of the terrible lights in my moderation deck in my hand, I can't go zero three. I can only go one zero one. So I'm actually losing on tempo, not just on the value of it. It's not like whenever you cast more spells, you don't draw, which is what happened with Legend Shredder. You can cast more spells. You're just not getting value. Here, you are just not getting value whatsoever. You are not getting even the card itself. So if your deck has to be mostly instanced in a way that... Or cards that you can play in your bonus turn, in a way that you can make sure... You're going to use both of your spell possibilities.
0: Yeah, Moderation really, really wants instant speed stuff. And I think it was like the Flash week that we did about a month ago that really made me remember this card in the first place. If all of my cards are Flash, I'm guaranteed to like not get in that situation you're describing where I've got a handful of cards and they're all sorcery speed, so I'm just going to play one every turn.
1: Exactly. And I had that happen today in a few scenarios. And all of a sudden, once you start finding your instance, you can really feel how your tempo is... How do how the, how the things shift all of a sudden? Once you actually start playing double the cards and start drawing double the cards.
0: All right, so some of the key questions. I think we've already addressed the big ones. How much is the upside worth? I mean, you suggested maybe as much as six mana, and I think that could be true, right? because the drawback is huge. How big is the drawback? Well, if we compare it to Ledger Shredder, the things that make Ledger Shredder so good are, should tell you just like how punishing it is to not be able to double spell. Right? Decks just naturally want to double spell. This is one of the best ways to get ahead in magic, is just use all your mana every turn, cast two threats, three threats, three relevant cards in a turn. You just won't be doing that with moderation unless you come up with some clever workaround.
1: Hmm. And that's where you start to to th- to start to think, what else can you do with your mana? Because a lot of the time, you're going to reach the late game with moderation, and you're going to start having more mana. Even once you start casting a spell on every turn, you're going to have more mana than possibilities. And that's, I think, where you pseudo-cheat in between quotes.
0: Yeah, yeah, mana's an interesting way to think about it. I was thinking in terms of, like, mana represents the potential to cast spells, but if you can only cast 1 a turn, like, you just won't be using your mana. So you gotta, like, find other mana sinks that don't actually cast spells.
1: You you, you eventually mm-hmm. reach a point where you might have the answer to what your opponent is doing, but either you can't keep up on tempo, or you know you're wasting tempo in not actually doing something else, because if your opponent, if you use a prismatic ending on your turn and contest in your opponent's turn, you use 4 mana, and if it's turn, turn 8 or 9, you have also run 2 cards that maybe you cannot use
0: all right so what are some of these ways that i can get use out of my mana without violating the one spell a turn
1: and there i think we come to mostly cards that have come out in the last few years which is mostly zero casting in the form of channeling cycling or well in the case of one only one playable card eternalizing
0: Channeling, this is from Kamigawa and Neon Dynasty, as well as the original Kamigawa block. You just discard the card. It actually can't be countered, right? You just get the channel effect. Yeah. Boseiju, the biggest one. But also Otawara, he sees a lot of play. Um, we've used Careful Cultivation to good effect in Pioneer, so you know that card is powerful. Living End, one of the best decks in Modern, sometimes plays Colossal Sky Turtle, the Flirtle. Turtle! Uh, and even, I mean, if we're in blue and white for moderation, you could conceivably play the white channel land.
1: I got saved by a gancho today. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Killing a Ragavan? <laughs> it was just Chevsky's Totally unexpected. Because I had already used my spell for the turn because I went counter spell, so my opponent was like, okay, that's Ragavan, a gancho.
0: Alright, so channeling... Does not count as casting a spell, so you can do that as much as you want. You will not draw a card off moderation, but that's okay. Presumably, we're also casting a spell. Um, cycling, right? Shark Typhoon is a bigger one here, right? Cycle it, you get some effect, and you... Don't
1: say like, it's so obvious. Like, uh...
0: Oh, it's so obvious. I mean, I assume every moderation deck is going to have at least three, four Shark Typhoons. How many did you play, Emmy?
1: <laughs> um, I actually have been told that I can't answer that question. Because maybe just maybe I remember there was a cycling card I had to add, and I just couldn't find it in my mind, so I just went ahead and said I'm probably missing nothing. You know that meme like from Two and a Half Men where it's like I think I'm missing something. If you don't remember, it's not important. The picture of the the kid alone in the rain, and that's my Shark typhoon alone, abandoned, <laughs> just waiting to be played.
0: Yeah, I thought your your lawyer there like immediately told you not to answer that question.
1: You cannot talk about. More, don't talk about Shark Typhoon. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't talk about the Typhoon. And it would have been amazing in so many spots.
0: <laughs> so you might want to consider Shark Typhoon. Um, yeah, Eternalize is also another mechanic that technically does not count as casting. Yeah. Embalm, I suppose, would also work, but there aren't, aren't really any embalming cards.
1: There's only one playable, embalmable, eternalizable card. And that's Timeless Dragon, because it's also a cycler, so it's like a double work in here. You can, first use it as a cantrip to find your land in the early game, and then get a 4-4 once you have a spare mana. Like, I had a situation against Moneroy where I went on my turn Prismatic Ending plus Eternalize, into my opponent's turn, use a Force of Negation.
0: That sounds nice!
1: So I got two cards out of it, I got on card Parity plus a 4-4, and it was pretty damn amazing.
0: I think people need to put a little more respect on Timeless Dragon's name. Like, you don't see it too often in modern. I see it like once every five months. But in Legacy, like, I mean, Damon made top eight with this in his Standstill deck. He played three copies. It's like pretty much a staple in that archetype in Legacy.
1: I think the huge difference is the amount of removal. I think when we discuss this, I think the problem is that in Legacy, the most common way for Crypt for control decks to deal with creatures is not let them resolve. And you can't stop Timeless Dragon from resolving. Yeah. And wh- while in modern, the best way to deal with creatures is removing them. However, Timeless Dragon is still a really cool 2-for-1 while getting removed. So and against a lot of decks, it's really annoying, like stuff like uh, against Morktide, a 5-5 that becomes a 4-4 is annoying, it's gonna eat 2 of your removals.
0: Yeah, and you have to end the game somehow, so... Exactly. Why not give Timeless Dragon a chance? I
1: mean, the best way to, to win the game would have been Shark Typhoon, but who could have thought of that card?
0: <laughs>
1: how? Exactly.
0: Other things you might want to include in your moderation deck. You should probably play Yorian. Thinking about how to get around that restriction of one spell a turn, well, we're familiar with cards like Fires of Invention that limits you to two spells a turn. Pairing that with Yorian was always like the classic combo because... You know, then you could free yourself from the shackles for one turn and just play as many spells as you could. Moderation's going to be a little bit different because you would have to actually spend your mana to cast Yorian. Then you have the remainder of that main phase to just like vomit out as many prismy back endings as you've been sitting on <laughs> before the moderation comes back. But it's still probably worth doing. I mean, a lot of the other cards that will probably play work with Yorian.
1: Yeah, um, also I think maybe splashing... I, I'm making a soft splash into green because Ice Fan is pretty good with everything that you're doing.
0: Yeah, I imagine you'll want four Teferi Time A 100%. Uh, as, at a bare minimum.
1: <laughs> and at least two Otawaras. Like, the best way to deal with moderation in the late game was Otawara myself or Teferi myself.
0: Are you allowed to target it with your own March of Otherworldly Light? Yes. Or is that not allowed?
1: It is. The thing is, that's consuming a spell, so what the most important part was in the late game was the possibility of pseudo-tricking my opponent or removing the safety net that my opponent thought they had. Otawara moderation back to hand and force of negation with the moderation was pretty amazing when my opponent thought they had no extra spells to cast this turn. Interesting. Also moderation stacks.
0: Right, you can have as many in play as you want, the they all like insist on just one spell but that's fine
1: yeah you're just gonna draw a lot of cards and remember it's not a may
0: hmm. okay so you might also want like what else can give you stuff to do without casting spells i think planeswalkers make sense i mean obviously planeswalkers are good whatever they allow you to do multiple things a turn like, let's say you have a Wandering Emperor in play. That has flash, so that works with our play on my turn, play on your turn game plan. And then you just have, like, the ability to do an extra thing per turn, right? Exactly. Jace the Mind Sculptor, maybe, if you're old school.
1: I I think the best thing nice is also the Wandering Emperor, as both a flash threat and an activation.
0: Manlands, another good way to get a little extra out of your mana.
1: Yeah.
0: Am I missing anything? Like, are there any other key synergies that we should be aware of? Mm,
1: I think uh, subtlety was an outstanding... subtlety, force of negation, free spells just are outstanding, but I think that's self-explanatory, right? Moderation becomes like a recent riff effect for everything you play.
0: Yeah, so those specifically help you... Well, on the turn you cast Moderation, you can tap out for it and still do something on the opponent's turn. But then basically every turn, as long as you have some free spells in the deck you're not at risk of like missing a turn of drawing, essentially.
1: Yeah. Also, one of the questions that I had here that I self-answered is if we should play cantrips in this sort of deck. Heaven forbid, I see anyone <laughs> playing a consider with the, with the moderation. I'm going to look at you, I'm going to find you, I'm going to punish you for your mad decision-making. For why? Once you have moderation going... The problem does not become, okay, I have mana, what do I do with it? It's what combination of these few cards I can play, because I have a lot of them, is the best to get me out of this hole.
0: So you are not like concerned about finding moderation in the first place, or casting it and not having anything else to do?
1: No. Like not having
0: a proactive flash card to play on their turn?
1: The, the thing is, most of... I'm just playing... Like for example, the first this is the first draft I made, which needs a lot of changes. So starting with, it needs no covered lands because I'm playing Quadra and normal islands, <laughs> and I lost a game and I almost lost a game to that. But assuming I was not an idiot and knew what Shark Typhoon was, I'm only playing the good cards. I'm playing March, I'm playing Prismatic Ending, I'm playing Well, the not so good cards would be Timeless Dragon and Colossal Sky Turtle, which are borderline playable. Solitude, The Fairy Hero of Dominaria, Supreme Verdict, Wandering Emperor, Force of Negation, Arcade Charm, Ice Fan Quaddle, Contraspell, and The Fairy. Like, the deck is working on its own without the moderation. And I was talking with a friend of mine, which is a combo player, and he was like... And he was saying like, okay, I want to face that deck. And I was like, you don't want to face this deck. It has four Force of Negation, four Contraspell, four Charm. And he was like, yeah, but with moderation, you cannot, like, stop me. And I'm like, why would I play Moderation against Belcher?
0: Right, you don't have to play it. <laughs>
1: I'm just playing a regular control deck that instead of relying on a five-mana planeswalker to refill I'm relying on a three-mana enchantment.
0: It pitches the solitude, it pitches the force, pitches the subtlety. Exactly. It still does something. You don't
1: need it to function in your deck, and the fact it pitches to subtlety, force, and solitude means you have ten cards you can pitch it to if the need arises.
0: Alright, so on this cantrip question, you built an 80 card Yorian deck, no omen of the seas. Right? You are playing Ice Fang, that's your cantrip, I suppose. I'm not even sure that that's worth splashing into green for, unless you really believe in Ice Fang. But that would be the cantrip, right?
1: It was just a testing. But if it wasn't Ice Fang, I think it would have to be any sort of proactive 2-mana play. But the thing is, what is a proactive play in these colors? Because you need a proactive... So this is the thing, you need a proactive spell that's cheap, and it isn't just cantripping. So not like Omen of the Seas. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you just said why you need a cantrip, that's why. That's no, no, why.
1: you don't need a cantrip, you need a proactive spell. You need something that you can do when your opponent does nothing. Yeah. So, in my other decks, this would be Omen of the Seas.
0: And you just chose not to go that route because the Omen doesn't add enough to the board here, or what? Omen
1: doesn't do enough once you have the moderation going. Okay. So, I think you need something else to do with your mana in that position... And I'm gonna go back to something to something we discussed a few weeks ago, a lot actually a lot of time ago. Having a green triumph makes splashing really easy. So it's really easy. I have like one breeding pool, one spada headquarters, and that's it. I have two green sources. <laughs> and I have yet to stumble into any trouble casting my quadrils. Maybe I have to add a third source, but the thing is Having a Triome in your deck makes it really easy to splash a re- a soft splash, right? Like Waddle. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're playing it anyway for your Prismatic endings, so you're going to be fetching the green source pretty early in the game.
1: Exactly. And it also helps with the ending, just knowing that you will have that green, right?
0: So do you feel like Ending is the right card for this deck? I mean, it just does create like a possible fail state of drawing too many sorceries.
1: I mean... I on, my only Sorcery Speed spells are Endings, Verdict, and Teferi.
0: Yeah, Verdict, you have Teferi Time Raveler, Moderation, and Teferi 5, you have one Teferi 5 here. Yeah, that
1: Teferi 5 is, I think, becoming a Shack Typhoon at the speed of light. But the deck features how many Flash spells? So, 29 cards in the deck out of... So there's 29 spells you can cast on your opponent's turn and 19 you can only cast on yours. So I think that heavily fears the fact that you're going to have an instant when needed. Or something you can cast on your opponent's turn. I didn't stumble alert into the fact of not having an instant. Most of the time when I resolve moderation I had something to do on my opponent's turn. Hmm. So if you want to trim green, that's possible. I just couldn't find a proactive alternative to it. If you look at, like, old list of Azorius control or whatever, and you try to find proactive spells, you're not going to find many generally, right? Because they don't quite need them. But if you have moderation, you need to do something on your opponent's turn, even if they do nothing. Because you cannot just save resources and hope it works. Because if they go off on one turn, you have nothing to do against that. You can't keep storing and just fire at the same time they do, because you have to slowly roll them out. So that's where I think you need something like Quadle. Maybe it's just for Shark Typhoons, and that's my mistake. Hmm. That's maybe if you want to go Azorius, like the first thing, like if you wanna take out Green, remove the Quadrils and add Shark Typhoons in those spots. I don't think that's insanity. However, the turtle was also good.
0: So the turtle, you're not looking to hardcast this, right? You're just using either of those two channel modes, the regrowth or the bounce.
1: Yeah, I didn't know. For some reason, I thought the green mode was get back a permanent, and when I got a- back a verdict, I was really happy.
0: Oh, he gets back anything. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, I was wondering if you should lean more into green, like play more Boseju's.
1: I was considering Boseju's, but the thing is, this is an Argument's Charm deck.
0: Well, does it have to be? Like, what, are these Maybe. counter spells that important?
1: No, counter spells and Force of Negations were amazing. Like, the fact your counter spells become Cryptic man you have no idea how good it is.
0: Well counter spell I understand, but like I understand why you want to have the ability to counter an opponent's Archmage's spell, Charm though. That way, you know, you get to that security once you've drawn all these cards. But Archmage's
1: Charm Exactly. Archmage's Charm is the one closer to the trimming to the trimming line. And so the cards that I think are closer to just like the things I wouldn't touch at all are four counter spells, four march, four ending. I think that's like a mainstay in any control deck nowadays alongside four solitude. Then 2 or 3 Supreme Verdicts for Teferi for moderation 100%. Wandering Emperor has been amazing. And that leaves you with Arknight's Charms, Subtleties, Memory Deluge, and Teferi Fire alongside Timeless Dragon as the cards that are, you know, just mm. swimming around in what should I cut. Timeless Dragon was really good. I think it really helps with the mana as well. Getting your land drops is really important in this deck because... You start just so many cards, you want to hit your land drops.
0: Yeah, 32 lands, not many cantrips to smooth things out. So. I
1: mean really responsible with this land count. 32 lands <laughs> and two timeless dragons is really responsible mode. This is the
0: best you're going to get Yeah, out yeah of yeah, mode. Yeah, yeah. I should just enjoy this, I should not complain about this.
1: If we have one complaint, i going down to 29 again. So this is like really, <laughs> really sensitive. Like This is more actually testing a concept, like... The card I really wanted to have, but I was not willing to go that hard into green, was Endurance. Endurance does everything you want to do in that it's a free spell, it's a flash spell, it's a proactive threat... It's all the things you need. It's double green, which would require more fiddling with the mana that I'm easily comfortable with. But it's at least something to take into consideration. If I'm able to strive into a he- more heavy green mana base, I really want endurance. Like, endurance is everything. Pitch spell plus flash plus proactive threat. What else can you ask for?
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if there's like another core to the deck that isn't so.
1: Controlly. The thing with. You need. What I learned a lot was you need cards that are going to pull you back when you're only casting a spell. Stuff like Supreme Verdict are at a premium in here. Right. Because once your opponent just develops into the board, casting one removal at a turn is not going to get you back against stuff like Seasoned Pyromancer.
0: You're saying there's a concern that opponents can just build a better engine than Moderation without the drop no, <laughs> just no, casting their spells n- normally? Not
1: a better one but one that if you don't have a a blowout spell you cannot fight back from like i had i when i was playing against Motorola and hayashi like i saw you the picture we were both about to mill to mill ourselves i had a, seven cards in hand i had a full grip of resources but i was getting rushed by then of the back by the monstrosers hmm I was going to win that game eventually, but if you look at my hand, I have seven spells that I don't have the velocity to cast.
0: Maybe you needed more manlands.
1: Maybe it's more manlands, or it's better activations, because Igancho and Otawara... Whenever, yeah. So, there was a point where I had Contra Spell Solitude and Otawara, and I was like, okay, all is good. I have two spells, I have two sp- I have a bounce and a spell. I'm fine. <laughs> or, or the picture I say my Solitude with the Sky Turtle. Because I had just resolved the moderation so I was a bit low on resources and I have a Sky Turtle after I cast a Solitude and I, I can, like, protect my Solitude, bounce it back to hand and recast it later? That's just insane. So you need a lot of those pseudo spells. Likely more than the ones I'm playing. I just gotta find which ones are them. Maybe if I am so soft on green I can afford some number of Field of Ruins as well, so that's all the stuff like, that needs to be watched. I'm not playing Spreading Seeds, that's why I love for much of the other worldly lights as well.
0: Hmm. Right, gotta get your Ursa Saga defenses.
1: Exactly. And getting getting an Ursa Saga before you can get its trigger going, chef's kiss.
0: Let me ask you about a couple of random cards that are not really modern power level, but they would work in the strategy. These are mostly cards with channel, right? So what about Touch of the Spirit Realm?
1: Okay, Touch of the Spirit Realm is not a bad one. Does it have enough synergies?
0: It returns it at the beginning of the next end step, but it only exiles artifacts or creatures.
1: Okay, that's sadly. Uh, if it was instantly, I would be a lot more tempted because of its synergy with Solitude and Subtlety.
0: Yeah, it's not great with Subtlety, right? because like, you don't get to... exactly
1: to bounce immediately and get another trigger once the Subtlety is in play. But maybe this is, yeah, this is not a bad card. What else do you have in mind? Like, this one is worth watching, yeah.
0: Well, how about, <laughs> if you like Touch of the Spirit Realm, can I interest you in Twinshot Sniper?
1: You cannot interest me in Twinshot Sniper. No? I'm not getting into rare.
0: Channel for a little shock. No, no, <laughs> How shocking.
1: How shocking.
0: <laughs> My, how shocking. It's
1: not a problem of two of mana channel, it's a problem of... I'm not getting into red with this list. Maybe with another one, I can be talking to the Twinshot Sniper.
0: Okay. I mean, in green, you mentioned Life from the Loam. I thought that was an interesting suggestion. I assume you're imagining like a bunch of Channel Land effects?
1: And Channel Land effects, slow Slogark, and just insane stuff going on. But maybe that's just insanity.
0: I do like this card, Careful Cultivation. This is channels to make a 1-1 Monk. Now, typically, you would use that to transmogrify or something, but like it also just ramps you and is something to do when you have moderation in play.
1: Yeah, the problem is the card is unplayable.
0: But it could make our other unplayable cards slightly more synergistic. <laughs>
1: but, so all the cards here, the, the most unplayable cards here, which are the Skytroll and the Timeless, Skytroll has to have one of the best channel effects in Magic, especially because it's versatile. Hmm. And Timeless Dragon is a 2-for-1, in almost any way you want to port it, right? Because it's either a 5 mana a 5-fight, and then leaves a, a 4 mana a 4-4, or it's a land plus a 4 mana a 4-4. It's always a 2-for-1. So the channel effects have to be pretty good to fight with that, because that's like the, the the floor of what you want to play.
0: Yeah, if it's competing for slots, then it's...
1: I mean, if I would, if I would go for something, it would be like Greater Tanuki.
0: Really? (laughs) Greater Tanuki? Okay. It's
1: better than Careful Cultivation.
0: Eh, alright. But yeah, I'll allow it.
1: (laughs) It's really expensive, so maybe it's not what I want, but it's in that regard. It has to develop your control game forward. Because you're a control deck in essence.
0: Yeah. Nimble Obstructionist, last card. Okay,
1: now that's... So, I was really close to making the mistake of adding Mirror Shell Crab. (laughs) Because it's a bad counter spell. But maybe obstruction is what they should be playing. Additional side effect of also stopping Embrac will trigger, which is slightly really relevant. Okay, I like Nimble. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I could play two or three Nimbles. The fact is, it's also three a 3 1 flash. <laughs>
0: Let's not get ahead of ourselves. That <laughs> 2 or 3 is a bit much, but. <laughs> Just try to think of all the cards that might go in this synergy package. Yeah, yeah, but. I feel like there's only one moderation deck. We just have to find it. Yeah,
1: and it's clearly, if I had to say, an Asorius or Cheskayo band control deck that just tries to go off with moderation and once it has a full grip of hands, like once the game is coming to, I have the full grip, then I have all the answers, get your moderation back in hand, pitch it to something, and just continue the game like a normal control deck alongside. Maybe a result Planeswalker or such. Moderation is your key to starting an early ensign.
0: Yeah. All right, so I think that is about all there is to say about moderation from a theorycrafting perspective. Mord hopefully can deliver us that coveted five let
1: Let's hope. Now that it has been shinxed, I don't know.
0: Well, you gotta get the shark typhoons in. If you five o without the shark typhoons, everyone's gonna be copying the list exactly and be like, and be like "Oh, this that can't win."
1: You know? I can prove my point. I just gotta <laughs> avoid, it and everyone's gonna play without it, and I'm gonna win the mirror with it. Big rain.
0: Um, we'll let you know next week how that all turned out. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone has any additional moderation brews, now is the time. This is your one week to cast Moderation Brutes.
1: This is the week before you start facing all the mirrors. Yeah.
0: All right, so to close out today, I want to follow up on last week's show in which we proposed some new decks with fight rigging. Really interesting hideaway enchantment from Streets of Nucapenna. David and I thought this card had a good shot in Pioneer, and we actually talked about like five or six crazy lists that people had 5-0 with in the past. David proposed using Fight Rigging to cast Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter, and he had a Salt list that he played two or three into um, that was designed to do just that. He had found some nice interactions between Rotting Regisaur, Kazandu Mammoth, and the Fetch Land to get up to seven power. And he was playing Shakedown Heavy as well. Hmm. So he tried that list again. Um he felt like, you know, he was maybe on the brink of unlocking something. 3-2 the first time, second time through, also a 3-2. So I think his conclusion was, you know, it's a sweet concept, sweet deck, but it's not broken by any stretch. Um, he's been lamenting his atrocious Spirits matchup, not just with this brew, but with every deck he ever builds. Like, you just can never beat Spirits, and he played it, like, four times out in ten matches, so...
1: Spirits is always tough. When you're trying, when you're trying to play a brew, right? Just getting out tempo by someone that's just playing like like low own controlling game. Just those are the sort of decks that exploit any weaknesses that you give them. And sometimes in brewing, you just leave out a tiny little like the fact your Quads do not have death touch. I have no idea why or how that could happen to <laughs> someone. And that sort of decks really exploit that. Any openings you give them.
0: <laughs> I agree, and specifically if your deck is full of three drops. And fight rigging decks tend to be full of 3-drops. It itself is a 3-mana card, and it encourages you to play, like, pretty clunky 3-drops. Yeah, I'm going to call Riding Registrar a clunky card. Yeah. It's just, like, doesn't have haste. It's pretty slow to unpack the board. So David was playing 4 Registrar, 4 Shakedown Heavy, 4 Fight Rigging, 3 Release of the Winds, 4 Kazandu Mammoth. Like, this is a slow-ish deck to get off the ground. And I think he understood that when he decided to put in Interaction on 1-mana, but... Yeah, your spirits matchup is going to suck.
1: Yeah, are just not going to get enough.
0: So what did I want to do with fight rigging? Well, I was thinking about all the different interactions that we liked. And the thing that intrigued me that I thought we maybe hadn't pushed hard enough on was what are low cost ways to give power boosts to your creatures, right? We talked about the creatures that naturally have six or seven power and how they're all kind of sketchy in different ways. But I can find creatures that have four or five power that will pick up a counter or two from the fight rigging. And if I just have like some other card that boosts them, even just temporarily for one turn, I can get that hideaway unlock without like compromising my values, without stooping to play bad cards. (laughs)
1: Look at that, the responsible deck builder.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what did I land on? Up Oasis, <laughs> Scourge of Pioneer. <laughs> well, Up Oasis is pretty low cost, I'll put it that way, but Primal Might was the one that um, is actually good. This is a card that at various times is a four of in like the mono green stompy decks in Pioneer. It's kind of fallen out of favor lately as the green devotion deck has um, taken off, but if you're playing just collected company builds, you might play you know two Primal Mites, maybe all four, I decided to try two main two-side. So two Primal Mites, two Hash-Up Oasis. I decided to incorporate the Kazandu Mammoth tech. I thought that was a nice way to keep my mana reasonable while still having enough hits for Collected Company. And then I was just looking to build a good company deck. So Old Growth Troll, steel leaf Champion, Garrick's Harbinger is kind of interesting because if you happen to get paired against a deck relying on black removal, that's another somewhat reliable way to just grow a creature. And the card that I was probably most excited about was actually in the sideboard. It's Crawl Harpooner.
1: The new spice. The new tick against the format.
0: The new spice. Sometimes the old spice becomes the new spice. People just forget about it. Like, you see people playing Skylasher and Pioneer because that blocks Litter Shredders. But, like, what if instead of blocking Litter Shredders...
1: We kill the Shredder.
0: We just slam the Harpooner on turn two and just gobble up the Shredder. Is is the perfect card. Not just because it kills Ledger Shredders, or spirits, if you're David and you're playing spirits every single round. But it's enter the battlefield, trigger, boost the power for one turn.
1: Maybe up to seven.
0: Well yeah, all you have to do is get up to six, right? Like,
1: yeah. On three creatures is not insanity at all.
0: Yeah, like in the deck that I was playing, just like Mono Green, Collect a Company, Stompy, it didn't happen super often, but if I had like decided to really feature the interaction like i think crawl harpooner is plausible enough as a main deck card so like let's say that i were trying to go as big as possible with fight rigging and play i don't know i guess like ember cool 13 would be the biggest payoff maybe yeah. Ulamog. what are some cards that could reliably get up to six or seven power crawl harpooner is actually one of them and whether you surround that with like i don't know Satter Wayfinder, Traverse the Wall, random stuff like that, or who knows? I think there's like something to be done with this card. It doesn't have to be fight rigging, but it's actually a really interesting effect.
1: Exactly, yeah. And I really like that you have found some new tech against the shredders of the meta. I'm shocked a bit by only two Emissaries.
0: So I started with four Burning Tree Emissary. They don't do a whole lot. Like They're kind of a Feast or Famine card, so I I have a little bit of Devotion Core. I have three Nykthos, two Braintree tree emissary i have two layer of the hydra one turn timber symbiosis one boseju two great henge um four werewolf pack leader eight elves so you can kind of see how like i'm gonna play an elf on one i'm gonna play a three drop attack for a while my stuff will die i'll reload with company and at some point i'll hopefully get a henge down does Braintree tree emissary fit into that plan like kind of kind of I decided to like take two out to make room for the fight riggings and play more mammoths. but like I actually missed them a little bit. like the the sequence that came up super, super often in my league was that I would have Land or Elf on turn one and turn two, I would have like fight rigging or any number of three drops. you know, I have like all these three drops, and fight rigging was always a worse play than the three drops. So you have to just play the three drop first. However, if I'd had. A burning Tree Emissary, I would have for sure played Burning Tree Emissary into Fight Rigging, because like that then it would have been worth it. Then it would have been actually a pretty good tempo play to go BTE, make mana, play fight rigging on turn two, start growing the emissary, and now I'm like on the board working towards that seven power. So yeah, so in that specific scenario, a burning tree emissary would have been really nice, but apart from that, it wasn't that great of a card. So I wasn't, I'm still not sure like if that's the right. Okay, to fill out the reflect slots in the deck.
1: So you're just using like the two of us. I still have a bit of a devotion shell and when they work they're amazing, and when they don't, I just hate them.
0: Yeah, like I was excited to side them out for crawl Harpooners. Uh, <laughs> Bring on the Ledger Shredder decks! Come on, let me see them! Bring them all! Let me on. get those spirits matchups!
1: <laughs> yeah. Also you face a bit of an asshole, it seems, in chat, in your comments.
0: Oh. I don't want to talk about that guy. Okay, okay. I don't want to give him the time of day. Me, <laughs>
1: <so>. <laughs> Look at Angry Dan. That's something I didn't expect. I just have fun with assholes. I, I love people racing at me in in, multi, in MDCO. <laughs> Feels my heart with show you to get those screenshots going.
0: So what happened when I took this deck into the league? Well, I started off with a win against a combo deck. It was a Grease Fang, Splashing for a Soul Flayer. It's kind of interesting mashup of graveyard combos. Grease Flayer. <laughs> Yeah, Grease Flare. Realized that my only graveyard hate was scavenging ooze, so it wasn't like a great matchup. I happened to win the die roll and just won the race in the three games, but I didn't feel great about it. Second round against Boros Heroic again, like a bit of a combo deck, although this one this one is more creature combat based. Yeah. Um it was hard for me to interact there.
1: I mean, I don't see you winning that game really consistently. Unless you're able to like champ block your way into a victory and like champ block with your elves as you try to pressure them.
0: Yeah, that that was my plan, but both games they just they saw through my charade. <laughs> They're like, I'm just gonna play Ancestral Anger, get a ten power Illuminator Virtuoso with Double Strike. Uh, Illuminator Virtuoso looks very impressive, by the way. In
1: that deck, it seems really amazing. Yeah.
0: And then the second game, like I actually thought I was gonna win. I thought I I had gotten them down to one and I was like pretty secure, but they had two God's Willings to kill me, so that was that. Um, so, one-on-one at that point, and feeling like maybe I'm just, like, not interacting in the appropriate way, like, where are all the control decks? Where are all the Ledger Shredder decks? <laughs>
1: Give me the control! Yeah. Turns out they
0: were coming. The, the next three rounds were all against blue decks. I played against a Demir Ledger Shredder control deck, a blue-white control deck with Yorian, and a really interesting Cynic deck with Ledger Shredder, was kind of like a simic flash deck they had cantrips they had growth spiral they had decisive denial which is the split card negate and fight card um i didn't really see what else they were doing they died too quickly but i thought maybe they had like night like, pack ambushers or something i'm not sure but yeah it was cool so against these decks which are the ones that i was expecting Fight fighting to do a little bit more um here i was actually pretty happy with how it performed like it it always gave me the card. That was the first thing I was wondering. Like, would I be able to unlock the hideaway card? The answer was yes. Like sometimes it took a while. Like there was one game against Blue White where I, I screenshotted the fight rigging on the empty board, just like sadly doing nothing for like four turns. But despite that, like eventually I did get the card. I unlocked the Great Henge that was hidden underneath it and almost won that game. Um they had to kind of get a little bit lucky to get out of that sequence. Right. Yeah, like I was actually pretty happy with how much the fight rigging did in those matchups.
1: I think that's really important. Just feeling like the card rolling around is actually relevant and not just a bad addition to an otherwise good deck.
0: Right, that's, that's always the question.
1: <laughs> How good is what we're doing? Especially when we're trying these sort of mutations of an already permeated deck.
0: Yeah, so the limitations of fight rigging were, in some ways, limitations that I imposed on the card. Like, I did not put anything really spectacular for fight rigging to get in here. Because of that, fight rigging was just going to do more of what my deck was already doing, which is play creatures and attack. Okay. That meant that there wasn't anything, like, super game-winning that fight rigging could ever find, especially not against combo
1: decks. (laughs) Just Great hench, right? Like, the huge payoff, or a company, are like, exactly. the best payoff you can yeah. get. Yeah,
0: got Great hench a couple times, got Company a couple times, and, like, the other times the fight rating just got, like, an old growth troll or something like that. Which is not really that great, right? Because I could have just cast the old growth troll myself, I didn't have to do those fight rating stuff. But I did get counters, the counters were not terrible.
1: How are the Coco hits? Include, taking into account you have Fights, Coco, hench and Primal Urge. Did it go too low?
0: Uh I was like flirting with it. I mean if you don't count the mana elves I had twenty hits.
1: Okay, that's good enough. So twenty-eight with the orcs, that's reasonable. That's around what you expect to add.
0: Yeah, so I guess my takeaway was that like alright, Rigging actually does its thing. Like the Primal Might plan worked. I I used Primal Might, I used Hash Up Oasis at different times. Uh I never did the Crawl Harpooner to unlock fight rigging, but the crawl harpooners were still good nevertheless.
1: You can try, like, maybe for a future iteration if it comes back, take out the Emissaries so uh, completely out of the deck, two Harpooners to the main deck, and then two extra graveyard hate pieces in the cyborg which are completely missing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be a a totally defensible way to build this. So, yeah, I mean, Primal Might's, that that was kind of good. Like, if the meta is one in which Primal Might has targets, I would consider playing four I considered should I play Vivian Arcbow Ranger instead of Collected Company? Like, that's another way to boost power on creatures. Someone suggested Aspect of Hydra. I think that would also be interesting. Okay. Um, going back to like an, an earlier builds, like you can play that with Barkhide Troll, where the extra counters from fight rigging actually give you additional hexproof activations. So it's actually kind of interesting. Oh,
1: that's. I, I had completely forgotten about the Troll.
0: Yeah, it's not a great card. It's definitely worse than Werewolf Pack Leader. Yeah. Um,
1: but I can see its utility in that spot.
0: Yeah, the green has a pretty deep roster when you're like willing to look for little synergy packages. So I was happy with the deck. I was happy with what fight rigging was trying to do, and I was happy with like the confidence in which you can actually unlock the, the hideaway card. So I think there's more to be done here, and I'm excited to try a, f- a few more things.
1: So do you think you should go for a more in-between quotes combo focus? Or do you think... like? It is what David was doing too out of left field or maybe you should strive a bit towards that in adding some better payoffs? Well, that's... I
0: mean, like, he has to play Shakedown Heavies and registers, and I think that's not good.
1: No, maybe, like, how, of the, how consistently were in your current version activating the fighting rig in that it wouldn't be insanity to have some better payoff, like maybe 4 hench or maybe and try to think of a 5 drop or 6 drop that while otherwise hard to cast would be amazing to hit.
0: Yeah, I could see like an extra hinge, I could see an extra turn-timber symbiosis, and maybe like a Galta or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, it, would be insane to play like literally three, four turn-timber symbiosis?
0: No, no, that, that would be totally reasonable.
1: Okay, yeah, that, that's what I was heading, like maybe exploit the, fighting, the fight ringing a bit more if you can consistently activate it with what you have now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I think there's definitely more to be done with the card, and yeah, I think it was a successful debut. Obviously after going three two, three two three two, we we can't be too excited about it, but I think there's definitely something there.
1: But it could have been two threes. <laughs> it, <laughs> exactly. it can always exactly. be worse.
0: I think the thing I would try next is with featuring Crawl Harpooner, whether that's in like a cool Delirium deck or something else, I'm not totally sure.
1: But let's just play Harpooner in modern to kill Darcy. <laughs> just go all in.
0: It kills Ledger Shredders.
1: It kills everything.
0: Kills murktide
1: Why does it fight? Why can't it do ill damage and just be bastard?
0: I'm like, I'm actually going to play harpooners into my crab vine sideboard oh. to kill Merktide regents now.
1: Okay,
0: I'm not going to do that, but
1: what? I'll just say that I will. Coward.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, that's all I had to say about fight rigging for now.
1: Yeah, and I might. I wanted to test a bit with fight rigging. I actually tried to rule something in moderate, but everything I did just looked completely nonsensical. So I was like, okay, I'm going to jump out the boat and just focus on moderation.
0: I think that was the right call.
1: I'm going to be moderate and focus on moderation. That's what I would say.
0: I think that was the right call. Everything in moderation. Everything yes. in moderation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that'll do it for us for today. Emi, <laughs> thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you so much, Anne. Bye-bye, everybody. Come on next night. Bye-bye.
0: Decklists for this episode can be viewed at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. Don't forget to follow us in your podcast app to hear new episodes as soon as they drop, and tune in next week for our testing results. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. If you like what we do, you can join our community at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing for Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.